0: Snoop with a shot, rebound, scores! Sheep hits home! They score! Neil Hoffenmeyer! 12-4, Stutzlaff! Ty Bellimer! There is nothing surprising about Conor Medard doing this. Alex Forbenton, and it's...
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode three of the ZooCast. I'm Lou Boulin. with me are my co hosts Adam Copeland and Josh Glazer. How are you doing, boys?
2: I'm I'm doing well. Lots to digest this past uh, this past week with uh, with all the free agency signings. I was trying to wrap my head around everything that was happening. I was I must say I was you know quite glued to uh, the TSN free agency thing the whole day. Um, I you know a lot of people like to be productive. I was not very productive. Um, but I feel like we can take a pass. It's like a national holiday, right? Yeah. Like free agency day.
1: Yeah, I didn't do much either. <laughs> I'm no. not gonna lie.
2: God. No. Uh, we weren't <laughs> the only ones. Um, but uh, but there was there were a lot of signings. We should we should really get into it. Because yeah. There was this is I think like they were showing it on the broadcast like the most dollars um, in like years that had been spent on on free agency. I think it was like it was like over nine hundred million. I think um, if I'm not really? mistaken. Really? Which is like.
1: Damn, that's I'm a lot I'm pretty sure.
2: It, 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 I mean, don't quote me on it, but it, it oh, was like total. I think yeah, yeah. total. Yes, on, total. on the first
1: day, I think it was like I, I have cap friendly here. It was seven hundred and eighty-five million total contract dollars. Yeah,
2: just just a ridiculous number. Three hundred um, years. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a lot of years. Uh, Jesus. So, uh, I mean, the big names got off the board relative, like relatively quickly on the first day. Some of them took a few hours but uh, the biggest fish was Dougie Hamilton who it was like it was weird right because the day before the devil's twitter account put out this post that was like free agents to watch I don't know if either of you guys saw this but yeah. They, yeah. they posted a tweet that was like free agents to watch and like the cover of the thing was Dougie Hamilton and so then everyone's like okay so like that's gonna happen I guess um and it did happen uh Dougie Hamilton I think it was it was like he's going for like what like it was like nine million a year for seven years. Uh, I think was the was the correct AB. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that's it. I was yeah. looking at just out of curiosity because like so that division, the Metro, has like kind of gotten this reputation of being like super tough, like every year. Um, or at least that, I mean that's what I've kind of thought of. It. It's like always going to be a really difficult division, but the Devils have never really been one of those teams that's been able to contend. But like they're like. Do you think, like, I don't know. I mean, they've, they've made some moves on D. Like, they got uh, Graves from Colorado. They got right. Ducky Hamilton. They're trying to shore that up. Uh, do you think that there's any scenario where the Devils might be able to at least challenge for a spot this year, do you think?
1: I don't know, man. I think it's going to be hard. Like, yeah. just because um, you got, like, you got the Rangers who are on the up. Pittsburgh, we always think, is going to miss. And it's like, that was their last year. But then yeah. they end up making it anyway. You have Carolina who, although they lost Hamilton and they traded away Nadelkovich for scraps, which what the hell was that trade? Yeah, that was weird. uh they, they do have Ronta and Freddie Anderson now. So if one of those guys can stay healthy, maybe they'll be fine too. And then you have the Atlantic who's gonna be taking up some of those wild cards. Right. I don't think the devils are quite there yet. Like I like what their decor is becoming because you got Ty Smith, who's only getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Graves now, you got Hamilton, Hughes and Heesher on the up, you know. It's it's going to be tough for them. There's definitely, there's definitely, I think, a path, path there. Like, maybe not this year, but the year after, possibly. I just yeah. don't quite think they are there yet.
2: Well, Josh, do you... I mean, so, obviously, Hamilton signs long-term. So, obviously, like, him and the, and the team saw that this is going to be a thing. Like, you're going to be here for when we're good. So, like, Louis was just talking about, like, that there's a path. They have a lot of young guys. Like, they, they have they're they're at center they're looking really uh, they're mm-hmm. looking quite good with he and hughes zach is a pretty good 3c um they could still i think they could still use some help up front um do you think like some of their young guys maybe like holtz and and graham clark could push for spots this year or maybe next year and, and really help them get over the top and into the playoffs eventually while hamilton is, is on his contract
0: yeah i mean right it's, you're hoping that the contention window is just starting to open up and that Hamilton contract kind of lines up perfectly. You look at their, you know, their contract situation right now, they're not really handicapped at all. I mean, really. they have Subban's 9 million, but it's up after the year and they already have 21 million space right now. So that's a good thing is they're not, they're not stuck with anything to start their contention window. Right. And yeah, they got guys like uh, Holtz coming up. They already have, um, I, I'm going to say his name wrong, but Igor Sharangovich, who is yeah. uh, decent this year. Yeah. Um, And like you said, I mean, Hughes is just primed for a huge breakout. He already took a huge step last year. Right. And, I mean, if he shears your second-line center and Hughes takes that jump to be, a, you know, one of those real first-line centers, that's a really good one-two punch. You put Holtz on the wing and he's scoring a ton of goals. Um, And like you said, like, the defense is, you know, they short up the defense. They added Hamilton and Graves. They did lose Butcher, but he hasn't been good since – since the start of his career right and they have blackwood annette who's also a really good goalie although they do have bernier signed for i'm looking at his cap front right now 1.3 mil more than blackwood so i don't know what their plan is but they have you know a good back end
2: but like like you said like they have so much cap space so like that extra 1.5 million with bernier is not really gonna it's not yeah and it's only for two years exactly
0: and a lot of you know i do think holtz um i'm not i haven't looked too much into what he's planning on doing if he's Planned on coming over. He signed his ELC actually. he played in the
1: AHL last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I
0: just see he signed. Yeah, he signed his ELC. So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make the jump yet, especially since he hasn't been acclimated to enough. How many AHL games has he played? Ten. Okay, so you know, a strong training camp, and you never know. They've had a couple guys jump out of nowhere and make the team, but. Does that make them a playoff team this year? I don't know because that's a strong division. Yeah. Um. And then you got to think, unless one of Boston or Florida in the um, in the Atlantic do poorly, there's only one wild card spot up for grabs in the in their division. Right. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting. That division's huge, and then the top four in the Atlantic are big. It's uh, the East is pretty strong right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. The yeah the East is it's it's kind of weird because like I feel like. When we, when I was like growing up, when we were growing up, like much yeah. earlier, the West was always seen as like way better. For sure. And because back now then
1: Detroit was in the West and they were good. For sure. And yeah. there's that uh, whole thing with Colorado, sure. right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, but I mean, now it's, it's it's almost taken like like a full swap. Like the East is just is I mean, kind of seen as like so much better. I mean, you look at like the Pacific Division, it's, <laughs> it's so it's bad. So bad. <laughs> the California teams like are not close. I mean, they're taking steps. Like LA will be good. And, you know, like Anaheim is, I guess they're kind of getting there. San Jose have good pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But, Anaheim. you mean, Seattle? Uh, Seattle's okay. I think they could have had a much better expansion draft. Um, Definitely. I, they did okay. I, honestly, they might be the fourth best team in that division. Um, maybe but then you higher. Got, yeah, or maybe even higher than that. Because then, I mean, Vegas is, is far and away number one, right? Like, I think that's yeah. pretty consensus. And then you have the Flames, who were just terrible last year. But they go out and they get another we could talk about this one next they get uh Blake Coleman on I think it was it was like a, like a six year six
0: times 4.9 yeah
2: that's right so so he's kind of he was interesting for me because I feel like you know he was on Tampa when they won both cups and so you can you can kind of go out the route of oh uh, like he's gonna get way overpaid because he was on this really good team um but I mean I don't know I, I feel like He's kind of proven himself as quite easy. He was very good for them. Uh, he wasn't just a product of playing on that team, I think. Um, Louis, do you think this is a this is going to be a beneficial signing for Calgary, or do you think it's a bit too much, a bit too many years?
1: I mean, that's a lot of term. It is. Yeah, Like, six years, he's 29. That's going to take him to, what, to when he's 35, right? Yeah. But the thing is, he was good before he got to Tampa. Like – that's the thing he, he sure helped them win those two cups a lot, but he's he's very good. Like, his underlying metrics for play driving, whether it's offense or defense, are very, very good. Like, he's only been getting better, really, year by year, and his finishing has been coming up with it. So, he's been getting better, better production too. Like, I don't know exactly what his numbers were last year, but yeah, it, I mean, it's he's a very underrated player. He is getting a lot of term, though. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, like, what his usage is going to be in Calgary, if they want to utilize him as kind of how Tampa did, if they can afford utilizing him like Tampa did in more of a third line, uh, third line scenario or have him as a shutdown guy, but I could definitely see him thriving in a top six role there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, cause, cause that's, I mean, if you're Calgary, you have to be looking at this division and thinking that you have a pretty good chance that you can make the playoffs here. So yeah. I think that probably factored into to going out and getting a guy that can help you do that, like, like Blake Coleman. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll see. Like it's, it's interesting. I think that, I mean, Josh, you know, this, like we have a, we have a friend who uh, is a flames fan and yes. he is, is, is uh, very into the idea of, of trying to trade for Eichel. And obviously when you look at that team, there is, like they have, like they have some solid core player, Like Kachuk is there, and Goudreau is there. Um, Coleman's obviously a, a a pretty good add. Um, do you think that obviously they're pro- They're probably a playoff team in that division right now. Um, but do you think that getting Eichel on that team, if if they do that,
0: can really like make them an actual contender? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I think. If it wasn't for, you know, before they signed Coleman, I think the smarter thing would have may have been to start a rebuild. Um, they've kind of just been in that middle ground, kind of like Ottawa used to be a couple of years ago of make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, keep going. Um, obviously if you trade for it, now that you sign Coleman, you're all in basically because that's a lot of money and a lot of term. And if you trade for Eichel, then you're even more all in. And um, that gives them a really good top six. And, you know, they just signed Markstrom last year. He has 6 million for five more years. So that's another, you know, it's a lot of money to it as another player. They traded for Zadorov. So clearly True Living thinks that they're trying to make the playoffs and trying to contend. Right. I don't know if I would have done the same thing before the offseason began, but they've kind of, you know, forced that to happen now. They they they're not gonna do make all these moves and then start rebuilding. Right. Um, exactly. Even if they even if it is a weaker division, Montreal did prove that all you gotta do is make it, right? They finished eighteenth and made the finals. So right. Exactly. in the day all it takes is making the playoffs and you never know but passing vegas passing the abs in the playoffs just to get to the finals is going to be a tough task if they make it i I think that it's you make a good point like if you make it you're in
2: like they there's a chance that they finish top three like assuming vegas finishes first then Mm -hmm. it's, it's probably going to be uh maybe edmonton calgary right Edmonton, for, Calgary, for Seattle, years. I think, are yeah.
0: close. They, they're going to be different teams, right? The Oilers yeah. might have the worst defense in the league and Seattle might end, end up having the best defensive, you know, not just defensive core, but least goals against in the league because they have right. two good goalies, good defensive uh, defensemen and good defensive forwards as well. Well, speaking of Seattle and their goalies, it—they, I, I know,
2: Lewis, you thought this was a bit of a strange one, what they did. Um with their goaltending situation. So the in the expansion draft, Seattle takes Vitek Vanacek from Washington. They took Decord from Ottawa and then Drieger from Florida. And so everyone kind of assumed that their goalies were more or less set for that year. Drieger's going to try to start. Vanacek is, was solid for Washington last year. He can be your backup or your 1B if Drieger struggles. And then Decord is kind of your third string or your project. And then all of a sudden, they go in free agency and they just... They take Grubauer. Um, they they sign Grubauer. And this complicates a lot of things. I mean, they traded Vanacek back to Washington yeah. for like a second. Um, bit of a – like, don't you think it's a little bit kind of weird stuff going on there in Seattle with their goalie carousel?
1: Yeah, it, it's just – very perplexing to me just the way they went about it because yeah like you said when they had it seemed like their tandem was going to be Drieger Vanacek and then you have Decord who because of his contract you can send down to the miners and back up because it's it's waiver exempt right but then they go and they get Grubauer and they trade Vanacek back which on like maybe oh they didn't know that Grubauer wasn't going to you know sign with them and they just pick Vanacek just in case. But the thing is, if they did have an exclusive one week window, I think to talk to UFAs, right? Or depending yeah. on restricted free agents. And I guess they didn't get a feel that like Grubauer was going to sign with them, although, or I guess Grubauer did tell them that he felt strongly that he was going to be able to get a deal done with Colorado. Because yeah but even then it's it's still obvious that Grubauer's second choice was Seattle. So I don't know how you don't get that feel and do that. And if if you do identify that properly, then that lets you take Brendan Dillon, who, even if you already have that many defensemen, was was flipped to, um, or Washington. was traded, I guess, from Washington to Winnipeg for two seconds. Yeah. Whereas in this case, they traded Vancheck back just for one second. So there were, there were assets lost there from that like hypothetical uh, different course that they could have gone on and gotten an extra second. But I yeah. guess they really didn't feel like Grubauer was going to be available to them.
2: Yeah, it is certainly interesting. And Josh, Louis kind of mentioned that there were assets left on the table um, with the way that they handled this. Um, Do you think that throughout their expansion draft process, like there were other things that they could have kind of maximized value-wise and that they could have done um, glaringly a a little bit better?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people said right after, oh, I can't believe that they uh, didn't try and get picks to take on players. But I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if GMs learned from what they did with Vegas, giving right. them players and picks, and it turns out that the player they wanted them to take ended up being really good. Um, but it's still, you know, we thought after the draft, oh, they took all these guys. There must be something there. You know, we'll find out the moves they made or the picks they offered for, tour. and you know, it just turned out that they didn't make trades to take some of those players they took. Like, you know, one example, Columbus, right? They had Max Domi right on the table, and they took Gavin Bayreuther. Um, and he's not even with the team anymore. Obviously, he's back right. in Columbus. Yeah. But it's just some, you know, head scratching decisions taking Tanev from Pittsburgh. I mean, they could have been given a pick to make that selection instead of, you know, you had Marcus Peterson and Zach Aston-Reese, I believe, was also available. Yeah. Some some good players available, and they took Tanev. I mean, it'd be cool to see them play against each other, the the Tanev brothers, but. Um. Yeah, and like you were talking about the goalies, uh, I'm checking now, Seattle has the fifth highest cap for goalies now behind Montreal, Florida, Tampa, who have the three highest paid, and then Dallas. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting because I know they you know, they still have 16 million cap space, but um, it just seemed like they already had a good one too, and then they yeah. went out and put 6 million to Grubauer and then treated Vanacek back to Washington. It's interesting. They have a really good goalie tandem, but it's a lot of money to put to, to two guys.
1: And a decent amount of term for Grubauer too. Like, yeah, It's what, a yeah. six-year deal, and he's almost six, 30. 65.9, yeah. yeah. And yeah, Like goaltenders, their age curve is different from players, and they'll be able to extend their prime or just their playing time in general. But it's it's just definitely a little weird because they did have Drieger who seemed to be a possible, I guess, 1A or starting option for them next year. Although group hours numbers man. Ooh, they are really good. <laughs> I'm just looking at his page right now. Yeah,
2: they, like goalie, I, <laughs> goalies are weird. I think that's kind of a consensus And the I know a lot of people in <laughs> yeah. the hockey world would just like to call it voodoo. Um and so I know like I I've had this conversation with like a few you know friends who are I'd like to think a little smart in hockey knowledge. And so we kind of like you look at like how goalies can perform like so drastically different over one season to the next. Like, they practically mm. look like a completely different player. So what is the point of committing six years to a goalie if he could be a 930 goalie one year than an 899 goalie, like, the next year? And you, you've committed to that for six years. Like, wouldn't the a more optimal strategy be trying to sign these goalies, like, maybe fringe goalies for one or two years and kind of hoping um, that they can have, like, this you know, one of their up years, instead of committing long-term to uh, a position that fluctuates greatly over the course of their career.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think they did that with Drieger. I mean, they had 3.5 mil, I think it's three years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, that's perfect. He's, he's done well. He he was better than Bobrovsky in Florida. Yeah. Obviously now, you know, they might be fine, but might end up being the backup, but with uh, Spencer Knight, but I just thought Chris Dreager was gonna be the starter. Good cap hit. You get a backup around a mil, a million dollars. And you know, that's a cheap and probably sustainable goalie core, but I don't know. We'll see what their plan is. Maybe uh, they want Dreager to be the backup, but it's a lot it's three point five mil is a lot for a backup.
1: And like I completely agree just with that like philosophy sure. of having of paying your goalie a little less and less term. But to be fair, like I've mentioned Grubauer's numbers, his worst year ever was a 9, or just, I guess, in the NHL, in his career, was a 9.14 last year, and he's averaged a 9.20 over, like, his entire career, right. which he is one of the most consistent, like, consistently good, I guess I should right. say, uh,
2: goaltenders. But, I mean, I, I think it's definitely, like, that's definitely fair to point out. Um, I think one last thing that you could say, like, Josh mentioned Bobrovsky. Like, what a perfect example for... Yeah. The strategy that we were just discussing. Like you commit what is he put like $10 million for 10. like eight 5, I think. for eight well, or seven? Like yeah. that is like a catastrophic failure by that on that contract. And if they had elected to go with a route where you could maybe they went, you know, got a cheaper goalie, less term. Now you have way more cap flexibility um to kind of do what you want uh with the rest of your roster. But um Goalies are weird. That is the moral of the story, uh, I guess we could say. Um, but we should move on. There are a lot of other people that signed. There were a lot of people that re-signed with their old teams. A lot of them we expect. Like Ovechkin signs with Washington. That wasn't really a surprise. I yeah. think everyone saw that coming.
1: One thing, The More I mean, surprising thing was the term, if anything.
2: Yeah, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. So they give him, I, I believe it was five years. Yeah. yeah. And so there was a tweet that I saw. He needs to average... 33 goals a year for those f- if he plays those five years to to get to Gretzky's goal record um, do you think that this is like a realistic thing that could happen because I mean Gretzky we kind of look at it and he's like every record is unbreakable like you're never going to get there and for someone to be like you know like Gretzky or like Ovechkin like even in the realm of possibility is like pretty it's pretty crazy so do you think Josh that this is like at all possible like it's even worth discussing that Ovechkin might actually pull this off
0: for sure I, I definitely think I mean you put him on the power play all the time and he's bound to score a good amount of goals even if he's not playing well five on five I mean obviously if he didn't miss you know the lockout season and the COVID shortened season he's even closer right um, I'm looking at his page right now right we've been saying he's getting old and he's going to fall off for a couple of years now so 2017-18 49 and 82 Then 51 and 81, 48 and 68, which is insane. And then this year, he was over 0.5 goals per game. So he can still fall off from that number and still reach it, right? He's averaging over 40 goals a season, 50 goals a season for three of the last four. Can he stay above 33? It'll probably be something, you know, where it's 45, 40, 35. It kind of fades, and it will be tight, but I really hope he does manage to do it. Yeah. It would be it would be pretty like
2: that would be one of the more remarkable things probably mm-hmm. in the history of the game. Right. If he was yes. able to do that, like this is a record, like I said, that like people don't think will ever be broken. Um, and I mean, that like I, there was not like there's any doubt anymore that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But, oh, no. you know, I, especially after he won it. Like I know, like before he won his cup, everyone was like, oh, yes, I want a cop like it doesn't even matter who cares. But he <laughs> so. OK, so here's a, Louis a hypothetical question. If Ovechkin never won that cup and also doesn't break Gretzky's goal record. Do you think that he's still a Hall of Famer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't really think it's in question just because if you look at era adjusted scoring, especially because he came in towards, I guess the end of, or right. After the lockout, right, which was kind of marking the end of the dead puck era-ish. Yeah. And if you just right. adjust his scoring, I don't know how he fares against other people, but you compare it to Gretzky, where goals were flying in the 80s. Right. Like, he's up there, and he's just been such a legendary icon in the game uh, for the last what 15 years now, maybe more. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't think it's even in question. Even if he hadn't won that cup, and they say, oh, you can't win with him, and all this stuff, there there's no chance he isn't making it.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree. I know a lot of people would probably agree. But, I mean, before – it was so strange to, to you know, see – like, before he won his cup, like, so many people were, were on the fence about this. Like, they were like, yeah. he's not a Hall of Fame. Like, he is, like, w- one of, if not the greatest goal scorer to ever play the game. Like, you have to – it doesn't matter if you win or not. Like, you are, you are immensely talented enough to, to get into the Hall um, oh yeah,
0: I, I think he's easily the best scorer of all time. I yeah. mean, you just watch how goalies play today versus back then, and I know it, you can't really compare because everyone was on an even playing field back then as well. But in terms of the ability to do that against the goalies we're seeing today, it's just insane. Yeah,
1: right. it's honestly crazy. Definitely.
0: So Ovechkin, like
2: we said, resigned with Washington. I think the, in my opinion, the the the, uh, the next biggest one was Braden Point. Um, yeah. So, this is – he goes to, to – obviously, he re-signs um, with, with Tampa. And he is making – his, his cap hit is about – I think it's 9.5. Hmm. And you look at, like, what Braden Point has done in the last couple of years. Like, sure, that's a lot of money. But I kind of think that might be one of the best contracts in the league. It's a bargain, honestly. It, just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, it is 9.5 for – total like 76 million over eight years and that's massive like i don't i honestly don't see how how tampa bay doesn't you know contend again like for the foreseeable future um with the players that they have yeah yeah they're
0: uh they're scary i mean (laughs) uh, they they had even before their two cups right they were still an amazing team and stamko's injuries didn't help hopefully he can stay healthy for a full season it's interesting to see their cap situation they've managed to maneuver it so well yeah obviously they just traded Tyler Johnson um but they have some big contracts that don't go that aren't up for many years so it'll be interesting to see what they manage to do in a flat cap.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: and I, like Braden Point's contract just now like I'm just looking at Jay Fresh's uh contract uh I guess contract evaluator projection. or whatever the heck yeah is contract projection and just versus war timeline and based on that new Braden Point contract, it's, like, the best in the league. Yeah, right. Which is crazy. Like, and a lot of people are saying, rightfully, I feel, that he should be getting McDavid money, yeah. and, like, around $12 million, and the, th- the people who compare, oh, yeah, but, like, don't compare it to McDavid. McDavid should be also making more. <laughs> yeah, <that> $15 million.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you have – I mean, the, the guy that really kind of sets that whole thing off is that Mitch Marner is making, like, <laughs> like, yeah. like eleven. Leafs, Leafs are fans so are mad. Like, oh, yeah. Leafs fans oh. are kicking themselves now. They're looking at Braden Point getting taking like a million and a half less than what uh, what Marner's doing and producing way more, especially
0: in the playoffs. Um, whenever you got a chance to dunk on Leafs Nation, it's always a chance you <laughs> got to take. Um, it, it is it is unfortunate to compare with uh, how taxes work. It, it is yeah. definitely a, definitely an advantage for Tampa being in a no state tax uh, area i wonder if there's any way they can adjust that but that's uh, a whole different conversation
1: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so, i saw i saw sean simpson just before we move on sure like i saw okay. sean simpson tweet something about like having the cap be pre-tax or sorry yeah or post-tax, that's what or whatever, whatever it was but yeah
0: it's yeah, so pre-tax that, yeah yeah pre-tax so, dollars basically so that it adjusts for the difference because a player in Ontario has half their money taken. I'm not sure what it is in Florida. It's probably closer to like 30%. That's a huge difference. Yeah. i like in that Nashville
2: too. It's That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dallas. Yeah. I think Vegas as well.
1: Yeah. But, uh, either way. That would be an interesting uh, concept.
2: Yeah. I don't think they'll ever get there. Yeah. I Me mean, neither. Um, but it's uh, it's good. It's a, it's a nice mental exercise, I guess. Definitely. Um, but uh, one, one other team that I... I wanted to talk. We kind of touched on this earlier. Edmonton did a bunch of stuff. And like people are kind of like the, you know, they're saying they revamped their decor. And it it is definitely different. I will give them that. So their top four is going to consist of Darnell Nurse, Duncan Keith. They signed Senators legend Cody Cece, and Tyson Berry they re signed. And I think. I don't know if Ken Holland understands what he's doing sometimes, but he is like, like that. I mean, it's pretty consensus. Like a lot of people are saying that this might be the worst decor in the league. Josh, would you say that that is accurate? Yeah.
0: yeah. I think like was about to say, I think it's a battle of Vancouver for the the top four. I mean, no matter, you know, Darnell Lynch is going to be on the first pair. That's a guarantee. The rumors are coming in that he might sign for above $9 million a year. Like, that, that guy's going, he's their number one team. You probably put Tyson Berry with him, because I think that's what they did last year. And then your right. second pair is Duncan Keith and Cody Cc, who Cc did well in more limited quality of competition. But you're going to put him back up there with uh, Duncan Keith, who's aging. And I don't know. I think the game plan for Edmonton should just be, sign six defensemen or have six defensemen that can move the puck to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They don't have to be elite defensively, just get guys who can move the puck out of the zone and you're never going to be stuck in your zone because McDavid's taking that up the ice 20 minutes a game. And then like we said, compare that to Vancouver who apparently is giving OEL a larger role than uh, Quinn Hughes. So first pair OEL and they have Tyler Myers. Um, and then Hamannick hasn't been great since they signed him. So at least yeah. I, I think at least Vancouver has Quinn Hughes, you know, like that big number one guy, Right. Um, but it'll be fun to watch. That's Those are going to be some high scoring games in Edmonton.
2: This year. Yeah. You go back to that. That's the Pacific division, right? Just nice. one of just, just off. Like we saw with the North division last year, people were calling it like the Mickey Mouse division. Like that's definitely <laughs> the Mickey Mouse division, right? Like the oh, Pacific, yeah. there's just no chance. Um, yeah. that it could be anyone else. But, I mean, you want to stay with Edmonton, Louis. They also signed Zach Hyman to a <laughs> just a ridiculous contract. <laughs> and, it, it, like, people knew it was it was coming. It's been, like, rumored for, like, weeks. Um, and then they finally do it. I assume that this is going to be a situation where they play him with McDavid or McDavid and Dreisaitl. But do you think that, like, is he really – do you really need to pay him that much to do that? And do you think he could be effective elsewhere um, if they choose to move him up and down the lineup?
1: The thing is, like, if you do want to pay him that much, you shouldn't be giving him this much term. Yeah, Like seven years, That's He's right. again, he's already... What's with, like, players in this age range getting so much term, like, recently? <laughs> and what is the deal yeah. with that? Do GMs not learn from past mistakes of getting insane contracts and in free agency and then paying the price later down the road? Like, I don't get it. But he has a proven track record of... Performing with superstars, I guess, right? Because he's he's been good alongside Matthews in Toronto and everything, but I don't know. Yeah, I man. mean,
2: Josh, we were talking about this. I, I think I was talking about this with you and a, and a friend of ours that Hyman with Matthews is much different than Hyman with McDavid because, and you can correct me if this is if this sounds wrong, but I think what we were talking about is is like. Hyman when he, so Matthews and, and Marner are more of like cycle players. Like you, you, they go, they're in the zone and they just get Hyman to like dig pucks out and get it to them so they could do their passing play and just work around the defenseman and score. But McDavid is a much more rush based player. And so the question I think is, is Hyman going to be as effective there where he has to do is keep up. Like he, he's not going into the corner to get a puck for McDavid. It's McDavid on the rush and Hyman's on the wing. Um, so, Josh, do you think that he's gonna be just as effective playing with more of a rush type player as opposed to kind of a puck retrieval role um,
0: on the Matthews line? Yeah, uh, I don't know what Hyman's numbers were specifically. I know Toronto was actually a pretty good rush team. They led, they were up there in rush goals for the season. Um, but the interesting thing from you know watching the Sens get destroyed by Edmonton every single game this year um they they could still use that mcdavid like could still use a hyman guy who wins those puck battles down low and keeps the puck in the zone longer the reason mcdavid i mean obviously the speed and everything makes him a terrific rush player but the reason he has so many rush chances is the zone time sometimes isn't you know that as long power plays a different story but five on five you know if, if hyman's extending those shifts and extending those zone times that is still going to help mcdavid a ton and to go back to the term, I think the thing is Ken Holland probably knows that McDavid is probably getting fed up and Dry maybe as well. So you're probably able to live with cutting the AAV down a bit. And if that contract hurts you in years five, six, and seven, but McDavid's gone, it doesn't matter at all. You know what I mean? If if McDavid chooses that he hasn't won and he wants to go somewhere that's going to help him win, that that 5.9 is not going to matter at all. Yeah. It's a yeah. fair point, uh, Louie, I don't know if you wanted to add anything else on that, but
1: uh, I think Josh covered it pretty well, honestly. Yeah. Like it's just it, it's gonna be a lot of term, but it's funny because they might have they might have Hyman longer than McDavid and Dryside. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's right. That's, uh, that would be that would be that would be funny. I'm gonna be honest, that a lot of people would laugh at that. Um, but we can we can stay west here. Chicago has done a lot of weird stuff, and I mean, obviously, there's the Jones contract which is just bad like no that's just not there's nothing good about that um but then they you know they 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 go out and they trade they get an asset for Zadorov they get Johnson from Tampa Bay flurry uh just today I think committed to playing so he that I mean there's a team there right they're getting tapes back he's going to be fully healthy uh I mean I'm assuming he's going to be fully healthy do you think that Chicago's trying to make a little mini run here to try to maximize the time that they have with Kane and Taves?
0: <laughs> Lou, you want to go first?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean,
1: that's definitely what I think is, is up because they got Taves back. They want to make sure because Chicago's a pretty high profile organization, right? They're one of the original six and everything. So they're not going to like having to handle being a non-playoff uh, basement team for very long. Right. Um, so yeah, because today Flurry said he was gonna actually play, wasn't gonna retire or anything, because there were rumors of that right when he got traded and blindsided by Vegas, yeah. out during the trade. But yeah, they took on Jones, which, yeah, um, <laughs> let's just say, <laughs> let, let's just leave it at that. And then Tyler Johnson's a pretty solid acquisition. They also got a second for taking on his contract, right? Yeah, I believe I think so. Um, but yeah, so now they'll have they'll have Taves Kane. Uh, Tyler Johnson to still there. They don't have Pius Suter
2: anymore. Yeah. So he goes to Detroit, I think on, yeah. I think it was a two year deal with like 3.5 or something 3. around. Three 2. point
0: two five, I believe. Yeah. Sure.
1: Iserman man.
2: So that, that, I mean, that's kind of, a, that's a good value deal. Um, taking a risk there from Detroit on a guy who goes in his, his rookie year and does quite well on a Chicago team. That was not very good. Um, and so now he goes as kind of like a Shelby contract um, with a rebuilding Red Wings team. So hopefully that works out for them. Um,
1: yeah. And worst yeah. case, it's two years and it's not like Detroit is really up against the cap. No,
2: exactly. You're just, so, if, if but, you're Steve Ives and you're, you're looking at this, it's like, is this a player that can be in my rebuild pretty much? Right. It's, mm-hmm.
0: is what you're asking with this contract. Yeah. I, I, here's my question. I, they added flurry and that's obviously a huge addition in terms of skaters, did do you guys actually think Chicago improved this offseason? Because they traded Bulkfist away for Jones. Yeah. They did manage to get rid of Zidora, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the worst defenseman. They did get rid of Keith, but then they also right they added Johnson and they lost Suter, who's probably that's probably a downgrade. So how much did the team really improve? Other than, you know, obviously they they have the Vesna, right? <laughs> You have a really yeah. good goalie, best maybe best goalie in the league um, for I, one I've, more year. But then
2: again, goalies are voodoo, so
0: maybe yes, he goes exactly. back down, right? exactly. So you, yeah, he's, mean, old.
1: he's I think, old. I think,
2: I think like, it's more about the guys that they're going to be getting back. Like, you're going to have, presumably, a full season of Taves. You're going to have a full and season doc. of Doc. Yeah. So that's, right. that's going to help you. You have guys yeah. like debrinkit They also signed – I mean, they did a couple of depth sign. They signed Jujar kara who – I don't really it's think not, yeah. it's not. Yeah. You know, that's not, it's gonna not going to move the needle for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't think that they really improved like with signings significantly, but I think getting back those two big centers are, is going to be very, that's going to help them. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I don't know much about that division, actually. I don't, I, I don't think our team's looking that good. I guess that's, that's probably a, a pretty good division judging by how bad the Pacific is that surely there must be good teams in the, uh, in the central. Um, but it, I mean, it, it looks like they're going, like they're at least trying, um, to go for it, trying to maximize these
0: last few years of their franchise players and, in and Taves and Kane. Yeah. Well, the, the central, like, I think the Blackhawks still have a chance to finish last in that division. There's the blues, the Avs, the stars who had a massive down year and might bounce back. And you have the jets, the Preds and the wild. Those are the other teams in that division and uh, Arizona moves over to the central. If I'm right, not mistaken. Yeah. So then maybe they will. So, actually, last. yeah, yeah. Maybe not last. No, no. Arizona's uh <laughs> yeah, no, second last. But right, you, you think five teams make it from that division because the Pacific's so weak, right? But can they finish top five in that group? I mean, mm-hmm. that's we'll see, but it's an interesting yeah. decision to keep going for it. And they're uh, they have no cap space. So we'll yeah. see what they do.
2: You uh you touched on Arizona. We could we could talk about this briefly before we get to the Sens. Um Arizona is rebuilding. I don't think that there's any Copying. question of that. <laughs> yeah, and and so because they got really they got really screwed, right? Because they, you know, they got a bunch of picks taken away. Well, um, they didn't. they, didn't they, they screwed got themselves. screwed in the sense yeah. that yeah, like you know what I mean. Like they they it set them back. Like they, mm-hmm. you know, so they had to go out and they're like, okay, we got it. Like we got to fix this, and they have taken on so much cap. For so like, i think they have five second round picks next year just like a yeah, like two a firsts. Oh, like it's just a ridiculous number like i yeah, it's it's funny like they have a team that would be really really good in like 2009 like they have Hosa, Datsu, <laughs> Andrew Ladd is there. Do like, they still Lui have Eris. Chris Pronger on the book? Yeah, they still have Chris Pronger on a contract. <laughs> I mean, if you went a time machine, this is a cup team. Um i think they also just did strawman recently. Uh, yes. So yeah. you know, teams rebuild like it happens every year and you know you go look at a case like buffalo like usually it doesn't work do you think like this absolutely extreme way of doing this from arizona
0: is the way to go for a rebuilding team in this scenario i, I think they're doing pretty well it's a it's an interesting way because they didn't necessarily have assets like a normal rebuilding team does to trade away and get you know like buffalo's trading eichel let's say they don't have those big assets because they're holding on to clayton keller they're holding on to uh, Jacob Chikrin, although they did just trade Kemper and they got a good return for him. You know, uh, Timmons in a first. I mean, you're, I'm looking at their, you know, their depth chart right now. Their future defense is probably some mixture of Chikrin, um, Connor Timmons, and then they have Victor Soderstrom who's looking good. Um, and then you have some prospects like uh, Kolya Chanuk. Um, they have a pretty good future defense. And now, you know, Clayton Keller is already on the team. Um, they might be trading Dvorak for another first or second, whatever he can pull. And that might be uh, in our sense discussion later. And I think they have a couple uh, under the radar uh, forward prospects. I really like uh, Matthias Micheli. I'm sure they're still high on Bear Hayton. Uh, Liam Kirk, the Englishman, he's Hmm. also there. Jan Janik is pretty good. So then you add to that seven picks in the first two rounds in a pretty good draft next year. And in, you know, in a couple of years, that's going to be a really good team. And I think they're doing a good job of getting assets to use the cap because they still have $10 million in cap space, even yeah. after taking on all these contracts. And uh, I think they're doing it pretty well.
1: Yeah. yeah. And even then, like looking at their contracts, almost like except for the big names like Keller, Chikrin, I guess Nick yeah. Schmaltz and Dvorak, everything is ending after next season.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah, they have four forwards and two defensemen under contract next year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Zero goalies. Right.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: So so, we'll see- so you know,
0: like we we talked about the key the, the trade with Vancouver, right? Those three guys they took on are all one year and they right. got rid of the I mean they're holding on to a million of Ekman Larson, but, but I mean, I, that's why I that trade was so that trade was so weird for Vancouver, right? It's like
2: they're moving out these dead contracts that literally expired, like they just have to wait one more year, and then they get this terrible contract with term. With Ekman Larson, so it's kind of just well, like they're restarting the cycle a little bit. Unless they, I mean, they don't
0: think it's a terrible contract. That's right? that's they're it, Putting right? like, OEL on top there, Benning. So they think that's their that best defenseman now. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you you, you probably see that trade as Benning, and you're like, why is he so adamant on giving me OEL? But I guess it's
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, exactly, GM, GMs, or GMs are GMs, and we'll leave it at that. But we should get to the Sens. Um, they weren't extremely busy, but they did a couple of. Notable, notable moves. Um, and I, I think the first one of the day was not even an on ice move. They extend DJ Smith. I think it was a two year contract. Um, yep. Yeah, 1.25 so million. Right, uh, exactly. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't want him to hit the market. But uh, so this kind of begs the question like, when's the last time the Sens extended a coach? Like, it's it's been ages. <laughs> and so That's you've got to think that Dorian has to think like DJ Smith. Is looking like it might be the guy and he's trying to leave you know he's done a decent job an okay job at least leading this team out of like the, the basement basement and especially near the end of last year like they were really playing well um and he gets this this vote of confidence from the gm do you think this is the right move josh that like
0: dj smith is the coach for this team moving forward i think it's hard to tell because we haven't Seen what he's like when they're actually trying to win, right? Like last yeah. year and the year before, we weren't trying to make the playoffs. Um, I re- I had some reservations with the way that he wanted to play a guy like brandstrom I didn't like the up and down, the in and out of the lineup. I hope he gets managed better if he's still on the team. Um, I'm looking at the list now. He is if he makes it through the end of his contract. He'll be the longest tenured coach since Jacques Martin uh, oh from 1996 God. to 2002. Because <laughs> be McLean and, no, yeah. 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 and Boucher made it three right. and a half years. Uh, I'm still looking. I mean, Brian Murray was there for 18 games <laughs> and then he went back up to right. the GM role. But yeah, he would be the second longest ever and longest since Jacques Martin from '96 to 2002. <laughs> wow. You go. Nope. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, even though he extended um you know the GM, we haven't extended there yet. So that's that's a Melnick decision, obviously. That's not a Dorian decision. Yeah. But that's gonna be interesting because they're not rumblings, but some people are curious as to um this Pierre Maguire hiring if there's more behind it, because uh Dorian is right or left.
2: Yeah, I remember a lot of people were saying that too, and I, I remember they shut it down super quickly, right? Like like you of know, course. McGuire. Because obviously, like, they're supposed to do, like, what are they going to say? Like, this is my yeah. Like, they can't say that. Um, <laughs> but it is interesting. I, I guess we'll see where it goes. I think that the players, like, from everything that you hear, like, the players like DJ Smith. Like, he's a player's coach. For sure. And so, I think if you're well, a guy Marek like... seems
1: to like him, too.
2: Exactly. The, during so that interview. A, yeah, yeah. If you're a guy like Brady Kachuk, and you are due for contract extension, and you see your GM extend your coach who presumably you really like surely that's going to send a message to you like, okay, like these guys, like, this is good. Like these guys are in on me. Like, this is good for me. Yeah, and to it stability. Ind- exactly. And and you for have sure. to like that as a player. Um, so I think that's another important
0: layer to, to understand. Um, yeah. And, and I think towards the end of the season, once their goaltending got better, you look at the roster versus the results, maybe after their, uh, their 15 game slide to start the year, they were, you know, a pretty good team. And if they weren't, again, for that horrible goaltending start the year, they'd probably squeeze in over Montreal.
2: Yeah, you'd have to say. So to do
0: that with uh, what most would agree was one of the worst rosters in the league last year because everyone's mm-hmm. young and not many great veterans. I mean, that's pretty impressive still.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just hope that he doesn't revert at the beginning of this season since they're trying to compete, apparently, if that's the message anyway. <laughs> I just hope he doesn't revert to beginning of the season where he plays Cedric Pocket a ton. Or you know scratches well, that maybe
0: yeah
2: you know Parker
0: Kelly that's a, Kelly? <laughs>
2: that's a good you? segue because the Sens did a couple of things um, on the uh, on the free agency day and so they made one signing like of note and it was Del Z- Michael Delzotto they signed who is a veteran defenseman I think he played last year in Columbus. And he's bounced around like he was in New York. He's in Philadelphia. He's in Anaheim for a bit. He's probably been a couple other places. Um, a lot of people saw this and got frustrated because I think it reminded them of the Gabranson trade last year where you're just bringing in this kind of older guy who's going to take time away from the young players. Like I think he plays the left side too. So yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's a Mette or Branstrom spot gone, presumably. And they sign him, I think was it a was it a two-year contract? Two well? times two. So, two times two, yeah. So you like I found this quite perplexing. I don't really like I mean I mean, maybe they see something there. Obviously they know they have much more intel than we would. Um, but from like an organizational point of view. You are ready for your young players to step up and play, right? Like it's yeah. enough of this. It's like you're, you know, branch has been around a couple seasons now. Mete has played a couple seasons, like in Montreal, obviously, but he was good last year as well. You have these guys coming up. Like eventually, they got it. You know, you gotta let them play at some point. Yeah, and put you bring, faith in them. Yes, and I mean, obviously, they traded um, for for Nick Holden. We'll talk about that in a bit too. So that's another defenseman. But I mean, Louis, like, eventually, like the do you think that this is in their plan where, you know, they're taking a really, really long time to let these guys, the younger guys marinate and bringing in these veteran guys to play ahead of them. Do you think this is the right thing to do at this stage?
1: It's really weird because Branstrom, I feel, has proven that he doesn't belong in the AHL anymore just based on his play there. And that the fact that he held his own, like towards the end of the year last year and Mete was very solid once we brought him in too. Yep. And the team, the team results, um, like, reflected that we were what 10 3 and 1. I don't know if it was like directly that. after, yeah. but that's how we ended the season. So, Delzato is really weird. Although, to be fair, DJ Smith did say that Delzato and Holden can play the right side, even though they're left shot defensemen. So, that should right. give us a little bit of relief. But at least, Delzato's not or shouldn't be as bad as Good Branson, just based on his past experience. Right. Um, it's just, it's going to be a very, it feels like a stopgap for Sanderson almost, but yeah. Yeah, I that's don't know. Two years. Like, also, though, Del Zotto's contract is slightly backloaded, so he might be gone after this year anyway. So, <laughs> who knows? Right. But, yeah, think, at least he provides offense, and he he, is de- he yeah. had decent PK numbers last year, good exit numbers, and he gets some production, so who knows?
2: I mean, you mentioned that he's a stopgap for Sanderson, but they've got, like, why can't Mete or, or someone be a stopgap? Well, Nick Holden. Exactly.
0: Or Nick think. Holden. Because Nick Holden's a yeah, exactly. year instead of two. and. Right. I was looking at it. I was on natural stat trick looking at the D pairs. So Delzado's season was split between playing with Seth Jones and Dean Kukin. So Jones is a righty. Kukin, I believe, 99% sure is a lefty. He's a lefty. So he did play yeah. both sides. Yeah. So the, unless Kukin played the right side, I could be wrong. He probably played both sides.
1: Right. Wait, I think Kukin is a right D, but he is a left shot. Adam, we were actually talking about this at the draft. Uh, yes.
0: You're totally okay. right. Okay. It's a, so a so, so he must have played lefty most of the year. But I do know that Nick Holden did play a lot of righty. So that could be a righty option because I'm looking at, I wrote it down. So they're lefty right now, left-handed defenseman. They're Shabat, Brandstrom, Mete, Holden, and Delzato. And the right is just Zub, Zaitsev, and Brown, assuming uh, Jacob Docker's in the AHL. Mm-hmm. So you have five lefties, three righties. And so that's you know, that's eight guys. You probably had, might have eight on the like up with the team um do does delzato sign if he's not promised to play full time he's also is melnick giving two million dollars to a guy who's gonna sit on the bench after the games i don't know it's right. interesting because ideally i think Randstrom and Mete are your second and third lefty behind shabbat i know i'm not sure what the deal is with Randstrom playing the right side we talked about it i'm not sure if he's the one who wants to or the team wants him to um, I, I just was, think there's a lot of weird decisions
2: to be made. It was weird because I, I remember they played like when a, when Bransham had his AHL stint, like not this past year, but the year before. Uh, they Or might, it might have been this past year. They put him on the right side, I think, in Belgium. Yeah,
0: so I watched and, a bunch of those. He, he did play both sides. Yeah.
2: yeah, and so you would have to think that that is an organizational thing. If they're developing him on the right side, why would they – why would they bring him up and play him on the left side? Like, it just doesn't really make, doesn't really make sense from a development perspective. But they have done, like, that's what they're doing. Um, so, I mean, I assume they have a plan with that. But you mm-hmm. have, so you bring in Delzato, and then obviously, Dadanoff gets traded um, to Vegas. The return is like a 2022 20, third and Nick Holden. Nick Holden's underlying numbers were very good. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of looked at this trade and they're like, that's decent value for a guy like Dadanov who wasn't on the best contract. I'm of the opinion that I, I would have, you know, I, I didn't mind the trade at all. I wouldn't mind if they had kept him. I thought that he was going to be a good candidate for a bounce back um, year. But at the end of the day, this is, I, I think it's fair to assume, Louis, that this is pretty decent value um, for a guy like Dadanov. And, and you're getting a defenseman who... He's a little older, but it's a one-year deal, and he's proven that he can play. And obviously, the third-round pick is a is a nice asset to have as well.
1: Yeah, I was mostly scared that they were going to try to pay up to get rid of that Dadanov contract. Right. And thank God they didn't, because at that point, you just keep him, right? Because he is exactly. he was a bounce-back candidate. But after they didn't protect him, and Bruce Garriac, I think it said that they were looking to trade him, the writing was on the wall. And I'm just happy we were able to get like a pick. In a a good draft, third round, not too bad. And Nick Holden, who's actually got very good underlying numbers and and although sheltered minutes in Vegas, and he would have played. I think he only played like seventeen games last year. That wasn't just be that wasn't because of his play. I believe it's because like of cap, like maneuvering on Vegas end. Because then you look at his playoff games, and he played almost as many games in the playoffs as he did in the regular season. Right. So
2: that was a cap strap team
1: so. yeah exactly i'm excited to see where he goes apparently bruce Garek said he was going to play on the third pair with josh, josh brown, brown which yeah eh,
2: that was
0: before I, del zotto that's yes so.
2: so okay but that begs a question i feel like josh brown gets lost in this a lot because people kind of forget that he's there um just because with all the other defensemen that they have and the organization seems quite adamant that they play him on the third pair. Like, they played him all through last year when Goodbranson got traded. It was Mete, Josh Brown, right? That was the pair. And so, they kind of... Until injured, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, I feel like they... I mean, it kind of seems like they see Josh Brown as, like, a a lock there on the third pair, which obviously complicates it um, for a lot of other players, Josh. Do you think that they... It would be better looked at if they kind of switched that around and and tried
0: some other combinations? Yeah, I'm not sure how much they love Josh Brown. I mean, Brown finished the year with 26 games played, so he didn't even play half of them. I don't know how many he was injured for. Um, again, I'm looking at this, and because if they're sending Jacob Brown-Docker down, they only have three right-handed D. You think, you know, we never know if they have a plan to trade on a Brandstrom or Mete. Uh, it's just, I want to make a prediction, but I always know that with the Suns they're going to do something completely different that we were never expecting. I mean, we were talking about it the other day, like a cool top four to see would be Mete on the right side, who has great defensive numbers playing up there with Shabbat or Brandstrom. And then you also put Zub on the right side. And that's just a cool top four. I don't think DJ Smith would ever do that. Yeah. Uh, But it would just be cool to see. Right. And I don't know. I think until, uh, maybe something's resolved in terms of a trade with one of our young left-handed D. There's not much predicting to do. <laughs> yeah, it's fair.
2: Uh, I mean, speaking of Mete, it might be added that he did just file for arbitration earlier today. Um, yes. That'll be an interesting case. I don't know if they ha- if he has much to go off there in an arbitration case, because he's a waiver pickup. Um, obviously, he, pl- he played well, but I think that the organization is going to be going for the stance that this guy was on waivers this year and we played him on our third pair and they'll try to kind of make that what, uh, what their case is. But I mean, I don't know, Josh, maybe you could talk about that. Maybe if you think Mete's got a case to get a little bit more bank.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, um, I'm not sure if it's as much Mete trying to find a lot of money as it is the Sens or Mete being held up on a couple hundred thousand. You know what I mean? For yeah. all we know, the Sens could be coming in under a million and he just wants 1.25 or something. And they're just right. not finding that middle ground, which is ridiculous because the Senators have $30 million in cap space right now. Yeah. Um, and I think I do think if you're playing your best defenseman, I think Mete has a future in the Sens, you know, top six on the left side, third pair guy. Ideally, you know, Holden and Delzato aren't long-term options, whereas Mete is still a really young guy who... A great—I mean, I don't know why he was on waivers. That's a great guy to get on waivers. I just hope that they're not um, creating a divide already after only a couple games with the Sens, and he's going to want out eventually. I hope not.
1: Yeah, and they could even get a deal done before arbitration is done. The Sens have have done For that sure. a ton of times already, yep. so definitely we could definitely see something. And we really hope that the that there's not a divide already, as Josh said, and that they're not hung up on height or something stupid, you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, And so we'll see that is their only arbitration eligible or eligible RFA. Uh, Kachuk is not arbitration eligible. Batherson is not arbitration eligible. Oli Allsing was, um, but I think he might have signed to the KHL or something. I don't think that's going to be, I don't think that's going to be much of a story. Um,
1: But uh, he was always be remembered as JBD's first ever defensive partner. Yes,
2: that's right. (laughs) He had his glorious four or five game stint and that'll be all. Um, But we, we were talking a bit about, you know, maybe being, you know, they're thinking of trading Branstrom or they're, they're thinking of trading Mete. Um, this is hypothetical because the Sens typically aren't a team that's going to trade for a guy like this, but Jack Eichel is going to get traded. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And you look at the Sens and their organizational depth, they have, they 100% have the assets to be able to make this trade, Right. Like there's not a lot of teams that have the assets. They totally have the assets to make the trade. It's just a question of the cap that, space and the cap space. Exactly. It, it's it, it's a pretty much a perfect storm. And so the three of us were debating. We were like, okay, what is a reasonable trade package for Jack Eichel? And given so, his current value, <laughs> exactly. And so on that note, you looked at there was a pro, or there was a proposal that came out of Vegas, and I believe it was Peyton Krebs nick haig a first round pick and riley smith yeah. that's what i think that's what buffalo asked for and vegas said no so by that logic buffalo would accept that trade of, of you know similar value of that trade and so with that in mind we're kind of looking at the Sens roster and we're like okay so riley smith that's an nhl player that's pretty solid you know, one. At it's that. a solid NHL player. Yeah. And so for that, we'd say a comparable for the sense is Connor Brown. Um, he's on a similar contract. He's, he was quite pretty career year last year. Um, mm-hmm. That's your NHL player that you would have to give up for, you know, Krebs and Hague. Those are two prospects. Um, you would have to look at guys like Branstrom and Pinto, I think. And, and obviously, you know, sense fans rightfully. So they love these guys. They're great players. But when you're getting a guy like a, of a, you know, the caliber of Jack Eichel. Like, how many true first-line centers are there in the league? 10? Maybe 15? Not how even. How many league.
1: are available at Exca- any point? Exactly.
2: And so, when you get 10 take Because that's what the Sens are missing right now.
1: And like, he's cost-controlled for five
2: years. Like, exactly. So, Josh Norris is not a first-line center right now, I don't think. He's, he, he was fantastic be, last year. He could yeah. be. totally could be. He was fantastic last year. I'll If he's my second-line center, i take that any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And so... You know, you throw in a first-round pick, so that trade looks like Branstrom, Pinto, Brown, and a first, and maybe it's next year the year after that. I mean... Yeah.
1: If Ideally this 2023, is... just in case you're still not in the playoffs exactly. in 2022. So
2: you look at this, this is pretty similar to the Vegas deal. Why wouldn't the Sens make this trade? Like, you have so many other options on defense coming up that are not Branstrom. That's a, that's a position of strength for you, for prospect-wise. Especially on the left side. Especially on the left side. Pinto pinto's good like nobody's debating that um but you're gonna have to part with a prospect or two if you're getting a guy like jack eichel and i think you're okay with that, um, that that's a so, bit of a step up at center right just going from exactly i'd say that makes your team a little bit better um so josh do you think that do you think that the Sens can afford if they you know if this is indeed the price uh to make this trade for eichel
0: yeah um We were talking about how much depth they have at left D and that's without Sanderson coming in. So you got to think that's Mm -hmm. their biggest position of strength. But at the same time, it's also Buffalo's one position maybe in their depth chart that they're confident is filled out with Dallin and Owen power now. Right. So maybe they think Branstrom can play the right side. And they think, you know, he's a right D option. They might not be as interested in Brandstrom as they are in Peyton Krebs, because that was the main thing they said that was holding up that deal was how high Vegas was on Krebs. I think that's interesting. Um, obviously, you think you're trying to think back. Like Norris is going to be a terrific player, and he already is. What team has won a cup with a a first line center of Norris's caliber or worse, like in recent memory? But yeah. you, you're going to need a guy who can fill that top line, and then Norris can play a great two-way game at the second-line center position and still put up, you know, 50-plus points, which is great. Um, I think it's one thing that they've been missing, right? First-line center and maybe a first-line right winger. If you get Eichel, you might not need another elite right winger because you've got Stutzel, Kachuk, and now Eichel. And... If that's the price, if it's Brandstrom, Pinto, Connor Brown in a first, or even maybe they, if they don't want an NHL or they want another guy like a Logan Brown or something, who, who knows what his value is right or now. Or Chris
1: Tierney. Please um, take Chris Tierney. <laughs> we'll, throw, we'll throw him in. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, As a treat. Yeah. And I, I mean, our first round pick is worth a lot more than Vegas is right. Yes. Because yeah. if you add Eichel to the Sens into Vegas, one becomes a top two team in the league if they aren't already. And the other maybe makes the playoffs. So that's a lot of value, but the only other way they're getting a first-line center is if they win the lottery and get Shane Wright next year. So, yeah. or, or free agency, but do you guys possibly see the sense of all teams signing a first-line center in free agency? Personally, no.
2: Yeah, um, exactly. But well, there's I, also, I'm,
0: sorry, yeah. th- there's
2: also just not, like a fir- like who, who, when is there a first-line center in free like agency? Tavares, yeah, no, that's, that's true.
0: It. Yeah, Like, it's very rare. Yeah. And then they want to have to, they're going to have to want to sign with Ottawa and they're going to have to pay more than any other team. Mm -hmm. You overpay in free agency, and that's something that the Sens don't like doing. But there's also rumors, I don't know why, that Buffalo is interested in retaining salary cap if it means a better return. And I think that might be music to the Sens management ears. If they can even, if you get Jack Eichel, I mean, at 10 million, he's already on a good contract, but if you get him at seven and a half, eight mil, that's an yeah. outstanding contract for a first line center and it might mm-hmm. include an extra prospect or an extra pick, but it's worth it at that point. Yes. Yeah. There's there's just I think teams are scared with the uncertainty with his neck injury. But yeah. the the opportunity, once Jack Eichel's gone, there's not going to be another opportunity like this for a while at this at this price point. Well, yeah, because you look at the teams that are like, you know, quote unquote still
2: in on Eichel. Um Minnesota is Pulled still out in apparently I don't Apparently, they pulled out. Okay, so they're pulled out. I, I know it said LA pulled out, but I can't imagine that they won't circle back. Like, I'm sure they'll, yeah. they'll try again. Uh, clearly, Vegas is interested. Anaheim, maybe. I Rangers. feel like the, Sens, the Rangers – I feel like the Sens can offer, like, more than – or just as much as all these teams. And, and, and you know, Utah, like we talked about earlier, they're so far under the cap. Like, salary <laughs> should not even be a question at this point. And, yeah when you get a guy like son for five years that's like there's your window there's your you know you talk about the unparalleled success thing that's it you have it now you're the cap yeah you, that it, it's it's like quite literally could not be more perfect um but i mean yeah there is uncertainty with the injury and I, I know we were talking about this the other day like we you know players in other sports have had this similar injury and they've come back and they've been fine and, and yeah. i remember in like you know ufc or, or football um and, you know, obviously what's happening with Eichel and the team not letting him get the surgery is, is insane. Um, but I don't know. I I just – I mean, you look at this seemingly from every angle um, and it seems like a perfect fit. And I know that the one knock that some people have is, like, he's a crybaby or he's not a – you know, or whatever it is. But, like, he – he played in Buffalo for
0: six years. He, like, yeah. do you blame him? He's tried. Well, you know, he really
2: tried. Like, he. You know he who was... else
0: was a crybaby before he won a cup with Sidney Crosby? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Right? Honestly,
2: I mean, I don't know what else you like. What do you want him to do? He's losing every game. Yeah, it might just be the Buffalo effect.
1: Like O'Reilly apparently did have character issues also. Yeah. And then he got exactly. traded to St. Louis, and then he's a hero there, and he won a cup.
0: Well, literally. Yeah. Jack Eagle might not have the might not. <laughs> <laughs> the off ice stuff Ryan O'Reilly has you know, yeah. like
2: nothing yet, but <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know. I uh, I think if I'm the Sens, you gotta go. I, at some point, you gotta go for it. Like you, you gotta get out of the re- like the whole point of a rebuild is you get out of the rebuild. And yeah. and you have so much depth. It seems, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like this is like it's it's not a, like I don't want to call it a free pass, but it's like it's on the platter for you. Really, you just gotta go take it. Um, but nonetheless, it is the Sens, and we will see what they do. Um, and I think unless you guys want to touch on anything else, that might be all the time that we have. For this I mean, episode. the one
1: thing that I just looking at would be just if the Sens were did not want to give up that much for Eichel, then they maybe be looking at Hurdle, and that be San one Andrei. of the yeah, and that be one of the few guys that you know I wouldn't mind like unlo- there have to be an extension that comes with it, but right. if you are looking to change your left side and you don't want to have both Branstrom and Mete. And I wouldn't mind trading Branstrom for Hurdle if he has a contract contract extension in some sort of package.
0: Yeah, yeah but obviously. you also got to think. I mean, what's the difference in price between Tomas Hurdle and Jag Eichel, right? Because yeah, Eichel's yeah. value is so low right now. If the difference is, not, maybe not if, if the difference is Shane Pinto and maybe you know an NHLer like Connor Brown. Absolutely, you 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 know you don't go for Hurdle, you're going for Eichel. The the yeah, difference definitely. between them is so huge. And I'm sure the difference in their value is minuscule compared to the difference in skill level. So it's frustrating because you see all these great players go. And, you know, Jack Eichel is just the biggest trade chip in recent memory. And it's just no, no rumors that the Sens are in on. And it's, it's frustrating.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, the the one yeah. reason why I could see Hurdle's value being lower is because he just has one year left and then he's a UFA. But right. I agree. Yeah. If if the difference is just Shane Pinto and like some sort of NHL, you have to jump on Eichel over Hurdle any day.
2: Yeah, and I think just to touch on one last thing, like Josh said, it, it doesn't like there's no rumblings that the Sens are in on Eichel. I, I I mean, and that I think is the scariest part for me because usually you hear about this stuff before it happens. Like you know, like with most trades and signings, like it's very rare that a team like absolutely comes out of nowhere and to steal a star player. Right. Um, so I think that's, what's a bit, uh, you know, kind of disappointing to see that they're not even like, doesn't even look like they're in on it. Like I know, like there's been, you know, every few weeks it says they kick tires, which doesn't really like, what does that even mean? That doesn't mean anything. Um, so we'll uh, I don't know. I obviously, if you can't tell, we hope that they do that, but um we aren't the GM, so it's not, uh, it ain't up to us. Um, but on that note, thank you so much for listening to the third episode of the ZooCast. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, and uh, we will see you guys next week. what What's the next episode gonna be? We should do, I think it's gonna be 67's,
0: uh, maybe 67's the preview. The or maybe we might have a talking, preview. talking about, yeah, the depth of the Senate next year. They, they made some uh, AHL signings and that.
2: Yeah.
0: Insulating those prospects might be interesting to talk about.
2: Yep, definitely. Yep, got to talk about a, Pontus Alberg. Yeah, got to talk about Pontus Alberg and Andrew Agazino. No. That's what everybody wants to hear about. We might have a special guest coming up soon, which might be that might be something to look forward to. Definitely. But we won't say anything more on that. Um, so yes, that'll be that'll be all. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Bye guys. Bye.